Well, hey there, it's Julie Van Warmer again, and you're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Hey, I'm so glad that you're joining me again today for episode two in season five. I'm thrilled we've made it to season five. Wow. And what a great season we have planned for you. So first, I want to tell you a little bit about our special bonus episode. I'm sorry, actually, our special bonus season that is dropping right along with all of our regularly scheduled episodes. It's aimed towards moms just mothering. It's all about mothering. It's great. We over here at Unshaken and the Women of the Word Ministry really value mothering and really want to encourage you if that is your role today. So we pulled all of our talks from our mom-to-mom ministry, which is aimed towards encouraging and teaching and training all the moms in our congregation. So you get to join in also. Uh, It's great because we're going to talk about a lot of things on those mom-to-mom episodes, and you are not going to want to miss them. So, hey, last week I mentioned one of the cool components of our mom-to-mom ministry is relationships that are built. Like, they get together, and these moms grow together. They go do things together. Some of you are listening, I know. Well, hey, listen, you don't have to stop doing that just because this is a podcast. Why don't you grab a few friends, get together, listen to the podcast episode that we drop in our special bonus season and have a chit chat about it while you're sitting at the park or maybe in your living room while the kids are playing with Legos all over the floor. So, hey, even if not, listen, grab a cup of coffee. Those episodes are really encouraging to all of you moms out there. All right, are we ready for today's episode? Well, today's episode is still along the same theme that we started with is living in reality. And so last week we talked about how living in the reality is living in God's truth. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about how you and I sometimes want to live differently. Okay, true story. Last week I told my kids, go pick up your rooms. My youngest son went in, came out of his room relatively quickly. I said, hey, did you actually clean your room? And he looked at me and said, yes. I looked into his room and guess what? The floor was clean. His bed was made and the side table that's right by his bed was as organized as a 10-year-old can organize it. So I was like, great. But then... I lifted up the edge of his comforter to notice a lot of clothing had been jammed underneath his bed. I mean, we can all agree that this is avoidance, right? Probably if you've lived with a child for any period of time, most children try to avoid doing something, right? That they don't want to deal with. See, here's the thing. My son was escaping from a job I gave him and he thought that I wouldn't notice it. He thought it was fine. And we do the same thing. We're a little more sophisticated in how we escape from things around us, but we do do it. And actually, that's what our topic is for today. Now, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I don't know what escapism really is. Well, I actually took a minute and looked it up on the good old Google definition. So here's what Google said. Escapism is the tendency to seek distractions and relief from unpleasant... Escapism is a tendency to seek distractions and relief from unpleasant realities, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasies. Actually, some of the synonyms they listed were daydreaming and imagination, castles in the air, a pie in the sky kind of attitude. The opposite word or the antonym is realism. If you haven't caught it yet, realism is pretty similar to reality, which is actually what our topic in whole season is on this particular season. So today we're going to listen to a talk given at the 2019 Regarding Him Women's Conference. This is the second talk in a four-part series. Last week we listened to Andrea Van Engen challenge us to know, live, and proclaim truth. And today 
we're going to listen to a talk given by Leanne Thomas called Escaping Reality. Let me read a portion of scripture from 2 Corinthians 4, 7-12 through 12, that Leanne references, and then we're going to jump right into her talk. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-12 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Let's jump in as Leanne walks us through how you and I might be escaping reality. Good morning. Way to go being here, seated, ready to listen, knowing that we might talk about some hard things and that I might challenge you a little bit. But I'm a teacher, and so I feel like you've already passed the first test. Congratulations. I do want to talk to you today about escaping reality. What is that? How do we do it? What the consequences are of that? And then why we should stop doing that. Why the hardships that we go through maybe are for our good and they're for our path of holiness. So let me stay in teacher mode for a moment, okay? I want to ask you a series of questions. And would you respond by raising your hand, students? Okay. How many of you have binged watched Netflix? Raise your hand. Thank you. How many have watched Hallmark movies instead of uh, doing your household chores? Okay. It's okay. How many of you have played on your phones too late in the night, or maybe that was a book and you were kind of crabby the next day? Don't lie. How many of you have used food as comfort or a reward for yourself? How about retail therapy? Anybody ever do retail therapy? Okay, one more. How about that delicious glass of Merlot? You just slide into that at the end of the night to forget about all those problems. Yeah, okay. So these are just a few ways that we can escape reality. But did you notice something? You were not the only one to raise your hand. Did you see that? Let me tell you, that is one of the most used lies that Satan has. He wants you to think that you are alone in your situation He wants you to think that you're alone in your sin. That is a lie. Look at us today. We're a community of women. We love each other. We're trying. We love the Lord. And yet, we all sin, don't we? So, I want to talk about some of these hard realities that we go through. And then I want to leave you with some great truths. I want to fill you with joy and encouragement that will motivate you to not escape your reality. Rebecca read in Colossians that we are jars of clay. It also describes us that way in Genesis and in the Psalms. Our Father, our Creator, has created us just the way He wants us to be. Look at this table here. What do you see? Jars of clay, don't you? See, That's a metaphor that God has for us. These are our physical bodies. Do you notice the different colors and sizes and shapes? This is a metaphor. Don't let that go unnoticed. God made us just the way he wants us to be. Okay, but but what's a jar do? 
What's the purpose of a jar? Yeah, it's a container, isn't it? It holds things. So today, let's go through our jar of clay because a second metaphor in the Bible is actually that our jar of clay holds treasure inside, okay? And it says that in God's word. So let's look at what's inside a jar of clay. What is that treasure that we're holding? What are we keeping close to us that is an escapism trick that's not good for us? So I'm going to go through some of these escapism tricks, and I'm going to tell you the consequences of getting caught in those, okay? Let's look at our hearts. Let's look inside our jars of clay, all right? Let me see. Now, I have these in a special order, so... All right, how about the first one being food? Okay, the first problem with food, ladies, is gastric distress. (laughs) And if you know me at all, you don't do that next to your husband, okay? So this is a problem. But overeating can cause major health concerns, right? Diabetes and heart disease and and other deadly diseases. Those are some serious uh, consequences. All right, what about... Our phone. Our phones? 83% of iPhone users said that they would make the be- other iPhone users would make the best romantic partners. Half of adult surveys said they sleep with their phone. A third of mobile phone users would give up sex before their phone. Okay, you think that's bad. Here's the real problem. 63% of respondents would give up chocolate for their phone. That is a problem. How about alcohol? Did you know that nearly 17 million adults in the United States suffer from alcoholism? 88,000 die every year from it. Hangovers, headaches, nauseousness, shakiness, vomiting. If you know me, that's the other thing that I do not do and do not like to be around. Don't do that. That's terrible. How about Netflix? Why do I put Netflix on there? Oh, because maybe 361,000 people watched all nine episodes of the second season of Stranger Things on the day it came out. (laughs) Yeah. So what's the big deal of that? Well, this doctor or this clinical psychologist says that when engaged in an activity that's enjoyable, like binge watching, your brain produces dopamine. Okay, that's fine. So it feels good. Your brain wants to keep doing it, right? The neurological pathways that cause heroin and sex addictions are the same addiction as binge watching. Your body does not discriminate against pleasure. Ooh. How about pot? Unfortunately, it just became legalized in my lovely state. I'll just give you the short-term effects of this. Consequences, short-term memory problems, severe anxiety, paranoia, psychosis, panic, hallucinations, loss of personal identity, lowered reaction time increase. I haven't even read the whole list. All right. Games. Why would I put games on here? Perhaps because 93 million people play Candy Crush every day. Listen, $800,000 is spent on this game daily buying new lives and boosters. I'm not kidding. So according to this doctor, the scary part is with this performing well and you want to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, the scary part is the isolation that tends to occur since a person spends all or most of their waking hours attempting to get better and better at the game. 
This is at a cost of attending classes, eating, sleeping, going to work, losing relationships. Couple more. The internet. An, uh, an article in Current Psychology Reviews noted that internet addiction, because that's a thing, ruins lives by causing neurological complications, psychological disturbances, and social problems. Some of those are depression, anxiety, hostility, psychosis. All right, last one. Drugs. You know, listen to this statistic. The United States consumes 80% of the world's painkiller supply, and we only make up 5% of the world's population. Those who abuse prescription opiates are 40% more likely to take heroin. It's possible to die the first time you use cocaine. Those, I was going to ask Michelle Holder about this, these long-term benzodiazepine, which means tranquilizers, anti-anxiety, and sleep-inducing drugs all together, those have an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. Okay, so that's kind of a harsh reality that we just faced, isn't it? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. This is a big deal. I, with all these facts and figures, can we agree that there is a problem with escaping reality? But you know what? It's not new. What does God's word say about new things? That's right. It's Ecclesiastes 1.9. What has been done will be done again. No, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So in light of that, I found an article in the English Woman's Magazine from July 1850. And I'm going to read some of that to you today. It's entitled, The Christian's Pathway Through Much Tribulation, which is taken through from Acts 14.22. Okay, she says, The same truth, which is that we have trials and tribulation, is also inculcated in the experience of every child of God. And yet how few who ponder this brief but graphic description of the Christian's pathway... Judging from the light of experience, it's to be feared that many have abandoned the way of holiness and taken refuge in some bypath in order to avoid severe conflicts which they formerly encountered when pursuing the path of holiness. Do you hear what she's saying? She's quoting Acts 14.22, which describes Paul and Barnabas preaching throughout the cities and coming back to strengthen their disciples and encouraging them to remain true in their faith. We must go through many hardships in order to enter the kingdom of God. She wants us Christians to stop and think about this definition. It's short but very accurate, through much tribulation. And she actually says, taken refuge in some bypath. That's our escapism tricks. It's not new that we want to escape. Albeit the way we escape is probably new, but not the fact that we want to run from a trial. The action to run is nothing new. She continues, let me read another snippet. And first, I would observe that we cannot escape tribulation or suffering as the word may be rendered. The earth is cursed 
and everywhere puts forth the, everywhere puts forth the thorn in obedience to that decree. We see it in poverty and affluence. We see it in toil and idleness, in youth, in age. It attends every pleasure, besets every pathway. Nay, it's the general law of nature. And she finishes with a quote from Job 5.7. Man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. You see, she's explaining that our fallen world is full of tribulation for every single kind of person. It is our path. You are not unique in that trial. Running away from it is not seeking holiness. It's actually prolonging our pain. Listen once more as she gives an illustration of the Christian who's new in his faith, trying the walk of holiness, but falling into an escapism. She says, A person becomes religious and enters the path which leads to eternal life. Soon, however, he discovers that the world opposes his progress. His passions are aroused. His social duties come into conflict with his religious efforts. And an invisible and powerful enemy disputes every inch of ground with him as he endeavors to advance. Affrighted, he retires from the conflict. But does he escape the trial? No, assuredly. On the contrary, his difficulties are now far greater than they were before. See, he sees an all-seeing eye that pierces his inmost soul, discerns the imaginations of his heart. His conscience places before him from time to time the awful truth that he's trampling on the blood of the everlasting covenant. His own reason upbraids him. The moving, hallowing, subduing influences of the Holy Spirit are contending with him. The warnings of a merciful providence, the entreaties of a compassionate Savior whose very nature is love, are all at work, and can he be, while those are opposing him, be at peace? <laughs> the answer is no. See, she's saying that when we try to escape adversity, not only does it not take away that conflict, but it's probably prolonging our pain because it's not being dealt with. And at the same time, God is merciful and he loves us. So he's nudging us and prodding us when we want to escape into our own world and not his, we will have no peace. Does that even sound like escaping? No. So let's summarize. Let's summarize so we can all think about these truths that I'm talking about with escaping. All right? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand again and get back in teacher mode. Who can see that all that we all have trials and tribulations that we try to escape at some point. you agree with me? Who can see that this is nothing new? Yeah, you better raise your hand. <laughs> Do you agree that this can be sin and cause us harm? Hmm. At the very least, does it take us off of our path of holiness? Yeah, okay. So, if you've agreed with me, I'm going to challenge you. Three things. One, can we stop escaping the reality or that tribulation that God has put before us? Can we stop excusing our escapism tricks and actually call them sin? 
Can we stop thinking that our situation is worse than anyone else's, that we are unique, or that we are alone in our sin? That's a big challenge. But the short answer is yes. And what's the Sunday school answer? That's right, it's Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how. This is the good news. As I said before, I want to leave you encouraged and filled with joy as you face the realities that I'm putting before you in this challenge. Andrea so beautifully talked about the gospel before us. That really tells us what to do with our brokenness and why we experience tribulation in the first place. Let's think again about this gospel narrative. She talked about creation, rebellion, redemption, and a new creation, right? So this gives us a framework for understanding why we experience brokenness and trials. It's because there is sin in our world. The way to escape tribulation is not by ignoring it or popping a pill or watching Netflix, not by numbing ourselves to sin's painful effects, but it's coming to Christ with our trials and our situation. We can find in him healing and restoration. So in the midst of our pain and sin, we run to Christ to find what we need to face any trial and any tribulation. But ironically, what do we do? We spend hours overeating or maybe having a drink or smoking pot or playing candy crush. Think about the creation mandate. Genesis 2.15. It imbues every human being to work and keep the garden, doesn't it? Work and keep the garden. That's to cultivate it, to cherish that world that we actually inhabit. Okay? That world that we actually inhabit has flaws and blemishes and hardship and pain. But we were created to flourish within that world. But that true flourishing cannot take place when we are not living out as not living our lives as image bearers of Christ. We cannot be image bearers of Christ when we're living in a reality that we have made up ourselves. Did you hear that? We cannot be image bearers of Christ when we are creating our own world to live in. Christ has created us to soar, to thrive, to take dominion. That emotional escape that you want from this whatever thing you want is fleeting and vacuous. There is no substance there. But in Christ, we have a perfect example. His character, his attributes, let's say like strength and steadfastness, those are our resources. And when we bear his image, we are mirroring those resources, okay? When we use those resources, when we act in those resources, when we walk in that, we actually have a sustaining power then to endure life's trials. That strength is coming from Christ. But let's think about Christ more deeply for a minute. Is he trustworthy? Does he understand? Can he really take care of that hurt that's worse than anyone else's? In the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesies of the coming Messiah as one who faces a very harsh reality, more harsh than we will ever face. 
Listen to what it says in Isaiah. This is chapter 50, 6 and 7. It says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Set my face like flint. Do we know what that is? Flint is that stone that when you strike metal against it, it creates a fire. So that's another metaphor. Can you tell I'm an English teacher? That God is using to talk about a hardness, a determination, a steadfastness. That's what that flint means. Okay, does that sound like he was escaping any reality? It doesn't sound like he had any tricks, does it? Now let's look at the New Testament. Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem like a flint. It says in Luke 9, 51. This is where he would die a sinner's death as an innocent man. In all of Jesus' earthly life and ministry, culminating in his death, we see no escapism. We see confrontation, a sheer determination, a holy resolve that propelled him forward to tread that path of suffering and self-denial. That's a path that he blazed for his people, for you and you and you and me. Praise Jesus. That is the good news. Hebrews 6.20 says that he is the forerunner of reality for us. He has told us and showed us what our reality will be. It's hardship. It's pain and suffering and death. And yet Jesus' reality was way harder than anything we'll ever face. He took the full weight of all of our sin, all of our trials, all of the tribulation, and he bore that on his shoulders on a Roman torture device, the cross. And at the same time, if that wasn't worse, his father forsook him. That means his father was not with him. He embraced that harsh reality of all humanity, like Andrea said, even when he had the fullness of God. He had all the joy because he had the presence of his Father, and he emptied himself of that. And he did all that for us without escaping. That's the good news. Now we have this sustaining power. We have this in Jesus. Actually, ladies, this is our righteousness that's given to us through the blood of Christ. This is our identity now. You are righteous. It's an image now that we are called to bear. His righteousness, his strength, his steadfastness, his trustworthiness. That's our reality at the same time we have hardships and trials. We got a combination going. So let's look at this combination through Scripture for a minute. We know we have trials, yet we know we have Christ. Let's look what the Bible says. Isaiah again, this time chapter 30, 20 and 21. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. 
but your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Get away from that. This is the way. Walk in it when you turn to your right or when you turn to your left. See, we all do have trials, but he thankfully knows us, and he has given us a way to face the trial with steadfastness like a flint. When we turn to our own ways escape, Jesus promises to show us his way. He promises us that he will walk with us and lead us to greener pastures. Our perfect yet sympathetic high priest will help us face any reality because he faced the harshest reality of all of our sin and death, and he came out victorious. Amen. So is Jesus trustworthy? You bet he is. He has proven that to us. So what does that mean? What do we need to do in the time that we want to escape? We need to stop. We need to think on things that are right and true and things that are from above, not things that are right here on earth. We've just talked about a great truth. Our reality is a broken world, but we have a righteousness and a strength given to us from Christ that can overcome any tribulation. So as I wrap up, I want to read one last thought from this article. Listen to her warning to us if we don't continue to fight this escapism. Tribulation gives a healthy tone to the powers of the soul and develops its resources. Her words. The body, if it remain in a state of inactivity, becomes diseased. So the soul, if not kept in vigorous exercise, becomes enfeebled and is in danger of sinking under the dominion of sense. See, we have to fight our sin in order to have our soul healthy. Christ reality, his way, his power, not our way. Did you know that your hearts were created to worship? God made them that way. So, <clears throat> instead of these escapism tricks in our hearts, let's fill our hearts, our jars of clay, with God's truth. God is good. God is righteous. He's trustworthy, isn't he? He's merciful. God is strength, and he's love. You see, we get to choose our response when we're in a trial. We get to respond in any way that we choose, don't we? Let's not respond to our trial with escapism tricks, but instead, let's fill our hearts with the truth of God. Let's set our faces like flint. How do we do that? We can easily do that in three ways. Trust in God. Trust in God to take care of any trial that you have in front of you. He will not forsake you. Two, stop. Stop escaping those tricks. Be accountable to somebody. 
Say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Three, think. Think on things that are right and true and good. Remember, to be refined is good. To fight your sin is healthy. Living in reality is setting our faces like flint towards Jesus Christ. Thank you. Hey, did you catch that one piece of truth that Leanne mentioned early on? It just stuck to me. At the very beginning of the talk, she asked women to raise their hands if they had escaped their reality in a series of ways, and she listed them. You probably remembered. She talked about food, Netflix binging, games on your phone, and and much more. She had many women raise their hands if they had done those things, and actually I was there that day. Many, many women raised their hands. And here's the piece of truth she reminded us of right then. See, we are not in this alone. We're not the only one who sins in this way. Actually, I think we all try to escape out of something in our life that's hard. Many women deal daily with the sin of trying to escape their current reality and living in some fantasy world or daydream away their day. And you know what? God knows this sin and he knows our hearts. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about this topic before, but it's definitely something we need to be thinking about. So let me ask you just a couple of questions. Can you think of a way that you escape? Leanne gave us a great list of some ideas of ways women escape. Maybe yours is on that list, or maybe you have a completely different way. She challenged us to stop escaping and stop excusing our escapism, but actually call it sin. She challenged us to stop thinking that we are all alone, but instead turn to Christ. One quote she said that really stuck with me was this. We cannot be image bearers of Christ when we are escaping into our own created worlds. We need to live each day in the world that God has created, that he has made for us to live in. Wow, now that is our present reality. This doesn't mean that we aren't going to have challenging situations in front of us. It doesn't mean we aren't going to face sorrow, but we have a perfect and holy Savior who walks through each day with us. He's so amazing that he actually made the days that we walk in. I hope you walk away from today's episode encouraged and challenged to live in our current reality, to live our every day for God. Hey, look for episode five coming up in a few weeks. We're actually going to chit chat more specifically about this topic of escapism and you will not want to miss it. Hey, remember when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.